Today's very special Holy Cross centric. Not really, but we're at least going to talk about them. Episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music, and maybe even events like a Holy Cross round one tournament game. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek and don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app. And a promo code BS, SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. There's no better way to protect your home unless you have the guy who's who coached Holy Cross and used a 131 zone to make March Madness. That guy's awesome. Simply Safe has no long-term contracts and the best 24/7 protection for just $14.99 a month. Visit simplysafebill.com to get my 10% off discount. Uh, today's episode is also brought to you by Framebridge.com. They framed 15 posters for me. And I'm about to send them 15 more. They did an awesome job. Use offer code BS for 15% off your first framebridge.com order. And finally, today's podcast is brought to you by my new website, The Ringer. Don't forget to subscribe to our new newsletter, theringer.com. Subscribe. The newsletter launches Monday. I might even write something for it. How about that? You thought I was retired. I'm not retired. I'm still writing. Kind of. I write emails. I might make a comeback. The Ringer newsletter. Uh, Monday, we're also going to be announcing a bunch of hires as well that we are very excited about. Stay tuned. Things are heating up at the ringer. Uh, we're off. Yeah. Clear enough for you. Oh, house. You know who's rolling? Through the Patriot League. Right on through. Sorry, Lehigh. It's always fun to win in Lehigh. It really is. Those pesky engineers just couldn't keep up with our one-three-one zone. Oh man! Where did the one-three-one zone come from? I don't know. It's so funny watching Patriot League basketball and seeing how stymied players are by the one-three-one zone, and then you watch like a Warriors game and just watch Steph Curry just carving apart defenses. Like, can you imagine if somebody tried to do a one-three-one zone against the Warriors, what would happen? I think they would make 53s. You can't do it. it the, the way to beat the one-three-one zone, one of the primary ways, is penetration, and um, it was clear that Lehigh did not have the guards capable of penetrating. Yeah, it turns out um, in the Patriot League, not a lot of penetrating slashing kick guards. Not the, not did, the kinds did, we're used to in the NBA. Yeah, I think there's a slight difference. So they hired this guy who coached at Northwestern and, and was 63 years old, Bill Carmody. And both of us were. By the bu- way, Bill Carmody, there's the, the most Holy Cross name ever. Yeah, and he's even got the little accent. Uh, we were both bummed out. Both of us, I mean, we went to Holy Cross. You graduated in 91, I graduated in 92. And over the next 15 years, as they systematically destroyed scholarships and, and basically ruined sports at Holy Cross. Um, and I even wrote a couple of columns about it for ESPN, even though nobody outside of Massachusetts would possibly care about Holy Cross sports. But to me, it was a bigger, you know, it's just weird to ruin the tradition of, of a sports program when you had Cousy and Heinsohn and you won the 1947 NCAA title. And it was just Gonzaga. The Gonzaga model for the East Coast was just sitting there and it drove us crazy. Yeah, um, that, that's the, it's it's the... Um, the the two part uh, insult of having a really storied tradition of some in, incredible uh, basketball history at Holy Cross, plus our post graduation 
it, it, it appears, disassembling of, of competitive sports where, you know, the, the, the easiest way for us to identify the thing that we connect over is, is you know, the, the, the annual um, sports traditions. You know, the, the football team was good the, the entire time that I was there. And then it that all changed, you know. It wasn't just good. We years. we were like almost we were pretty much undefeated. We'd lose maybe once a year in football. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, exactly. But then as I was there, by the by my last year, they'd gotten rid of scholarships. And I and what the administration didn't seem to understand was they were trying to make it more of an academic school, which succeeded. But the sports was the fabric that, you know, made people come back for homecoming and kept the alumni in touch and in my opinion, it's it's almost an economic mistake not to have a better program because it makes me want to give more money to Holy Cross. You know, it bothers me that that they just kind of threw sports away. And, and at that point, just go Div 3. Let's join the NESCAC. Like, why even try this model? And then these last four games happen, and I'm back, baby. I love the model. We're <laughs> All in March the way Madness. Back. <laughs> it doesn't take much to spot. win me back. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Just takes a 16th seed in March Madness, and I'm back. That's it. And maybe that maybe hiring the 63 year old guy was the right move. Maybe maybe the move was to hire like the old Normandale type. Well, it was good. He was 0 for 13 at Northwestern, so he was due. Yeah, he, yeah, that's true. He missed he, March Madness for 13 straight seasons at Northwestern. Yeah, so he was he was ready at Holy Cross. Did did they just come up with the one three one? Is that an end of season innovation? I don't know. I know my dad said they had like a couple injuries. They do have some good players. I I don't totally understand how things came together, but they were like a 300 to one shot heading into the tournament. They had to win the playing game just to play the one seed Bucknell and Bucknell. And really it came down to just somebody making a crazy shot to, to send the game in a double overtime. The the old rebound dribble back out to the baseline whirl around three <laughs> that never that was goes one of in my ever. Specialties. Yeah, it never goes in. Your specialty yeah. was like the sixteen footer, not the twenty four footer. Well, I, I would also I was not afraid to rush a shot at no. the end of the game. I think that shot's um, only gone in twice in my life. That shot and Ray Allen in the, in the uh, 2013 finals. I don't think anyone else has ever made it except for those two people. I'm mad at us for not putting 20 bucks on a uh, 300 to one. We were 10 and I mean, 18. I've, I've spent I spent $20 on far worse things than that. Yeah, that's true. I did feel like they were going to win yesterday. I did too. And we had, I, I Oh god. I hadn't seen, you know, one second of them this entire season, but when they came out and I saw that defense and the energy they had, they were very comfortable getting out to the wings um, with speed, and I was really impressed with how long uh, the cross was. They were always getting hands on balls in the first half, um, which led to uh, a lot of rebounds that I didn't think we had a chance at. We ended up getting out-rebounded, but I was really impressed that we, the, the cross held their own on the board. It's all going to be great until we play North Carolina. And uh, Tate, who's who's your forward who get who has like these twenty rebound games every once in a while? Bryce Johnson. Bryce Johnson might have thirty rebounds against the cross. And at some point, I'm gonna get mad. I'm gonna fire Tate. But I'm gonna do, I'm gonna fire Tate during a podcast, so it's more dramatic. <laughs> it's really gonna hurt my feelings if UNC do beats Holy Cross. I, I have a question. I tried to look this up before yeah. we got rolling here on Thursday. Rolling. Yeah. Um, are we? Do we have to play in the first four? Do we have to play Tuesday or Wednesday? 
I I just assumed we were in a playing game. I mean, who could be worse than than a team that was ten and nineteen entering their conference tournament? Yeah, but how are there, uh, how is there a worse basketball team than that? I don't understand all the the rules. They you know the the because um, two of those playing games are for uh, I think like twelve thirteen slots. So there's only two two that are for the fifteen sixteen slots. I don't so know. What, what we are, we have to be one I'm of the so four confused. worst teams in the tournament, right? Yeah, I, I, I just, 68. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be a 14 or a 15 seed. It's not happening. It is no, fun, I know though. It, it's good times. It's fun. It's good times. The one three yeah. one zone is going to stymie somebody, maybe, hopefully. Some, who knows? Maybe we could surprise somebody. It I did. love that uh, the dude, Malachi Alexander, straight out of the DMV. He went to um, a high school here, a powerhouse high school in Prince George's County that, um, coincidentally, my boy junior used to coach at. Really? Um, local high school coach, great legend, Glenn Farello, uh, now at Paul VI, coached for 10 years at Eleanor Roosevelt in Prince George's County, uh, home of Delonte West, mm. Eddie Basden, Delonte mm. Holland, some, yeah. some D.C. greats. Um, but uh, I, was, I was excited to see Malachi represent for the DMV. So Malachi, uh, that really close to your heart, even more than that. Just say, I mean, just from not only a local kid, but made like six free throws in the last minute. So, so huge. So I was in, uh, I was in my office yesterday because we were doing a whole bunch of stuff, and of course, Jeff Chow, our COO, too cheap to order the sports package for the office. What? Yeah, hadn't done it yet. Just hadn't gotten around to it. What's more important than like the extra ten dollars a month on Time Warner for the package in our office? So we had no game, so I had to watch it on the GameCast. Have you ever like really watched a game you've cared about on a GameCast in the last no, five never. years? No, never. Under no circumstances. And I couldn't leave because we had a we had a couple meetings, and I just had to kind of have the game on the GameCast. And yeah, I was I was. Um... Slightly disappointed you were not participating. We had a couple different threads going. I know. I, you know, I, we I couldn't were, see the game. And I, 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 I get it. We were we were live, you know, live uh, texting and live emailing. I know. No Simmons to be found on it. I thought, yeah, you were off doing something else. These are busy times with the HBO show and with the uh, with the ringer and we're hiring people. And it's just I, I just couldn't I couldn't leave. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, so, I'm I'm fine with it. Take care of the biz. No, you no, got I'm to not, watch I'm not whining. Live. I'm just saying I had it on the GameCast, but yeah. which was fine. But the GameCast will be like nothing will happen. Then all of a sudden, five plays will happen in a row, and, you, and it's almost like the GameCast guys just fucking with all the people watching the GameCast. It's like, watch this. Well, it's, it's I'm not going to type anything. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to type anything for three minutes, and then I'm going to type in six plays in a row. Watch this. And so it's probably for the best because our point guard um, shot two for ten. And and many of the threes that he took were 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 not optimal. Well, we were we were up fifty five thirty eight, and then all of a sudden it was like fifty five to fifty one. Yes. But in the last thirty seconds, Lehigh had the ball. We're up three, and it just kept going. Lehigh offensive rebound. Lehigh offensive. I'm just watching, and it's taking like three minutes to play out the last twenty seconds on this game cast because the game cast guy was just messing with us. And yeah. The funny thing is. It. They ended up out rebounding the cross by ten, but five of those were in the last ten seconds. Yeah, it's not going to be good. I I know they're going to play UNC, and I know it's going to get really nasty. And then what's going to happen is they're going to beat Holy Cross, and then I'm going to root against UNC because that's how I roll. When my, when I get beaten, I then root against. Remember that year we rooted against Todd Day in Arkansas? Yes. 
Remember how terrible that was? I actually liked I that like 93 it. team was a good team, and, and we went it against was. Arkansas in 40 minutes of hell. <sighs> it wasn't any fun. I, I like those guys. I liked rooting for Arkansas all years, all, all season long in 93. Until and then we, we had to go them. against them. Todd Day, Corliss. It was not any fun. Um, yeah, it was Corliss and Todd Day. How much college hoops have you watched? I started watching more. Um, I watched the Duke-North uh, Carolina game with great interest because um, I love the freshmen on Duke. And I, I don't understand. I have a theory, but I don't understand why um, Tate's boy Bryce isn't in the conversation for for like a, a lottery pick, um, although he looks like an all-world player against Duke because Duke doesn't have anybody that can rebound. But the kid looks unstoppable against Duke. I'm going to let Tate turn his mic on to discuss this. Tate has his own podcast now, by the way, on Channel 33. I don't know if you realize. What's it called? He and Mallory Rubin are going to do a little college hoops these next few weeks. Yeah, so good time. Tate, why isn't Bryce Johnson a top 10 pick? Uh, I think it's because he's old, and I think it has to do with like maturity stuff. And also, Carolina still pushes the Marcus Page as our superstar angle. They don't give him the shine. Maturity. When's the last time Marcus Page made a jump shot? Never. This whole season, he's been horrible. What is maturity stuff? Sounds uh, both vague and and damning. Maturity stuff ominous, could go ominous. in a, ominous. It could, that could go in a lot of ways. What is maturity stuff? No maturity in like the actual growing up and like playing forty minute games. Like he he has like a little kid attitude sometimes, where like he'll slam the ball down and, and stuff like that. So. Hmm. Sounds like he could play on the Kings with George Carl and Boogie Cousins. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think he had. 2020s in both games against Duke, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. 20 points, 20 rebounds in both games. What was he? You had like a 60 to 28 rebound advantage or something in that yeah. game? Yeah, 65 to 21. That's a bad sign for Duke. They only have Marshall Plumlee. That's the only big guy they have. They have a Mill Jefferson, but he's hurt, and he, he probably won't come back. And Ingram doesn't rebound. You know, he's, he stays on the perimeter. You know, that's a key point about Ingram because um, I don't know if you're a warehouse, but the Celtics have the next three Brooklyn Nets picks. And... uh <laughs> And I, so I've been watching the the yeah, high lottery yeah, picks. Yeah. Sure, and I, I do like Ingram, but what position is he in the pros? Shooting guard, like a, a like a three. He's like two, a two, hybrid three. A two, two and three. three. Yes. Can I play him yeah. as my stretch four? No, I can't. Right, because he's not going to rebound at all. Does he rebound? Well, at we all have team? no idea. Let me put I it mean, this way: we have no idea. He, he, he's got to come. Uh, up to the DMV and have some cheeseburgers with me and put on 25 pounds of a combination of muscle and fat before we have any idea whether or not he can rebound. Yeah, he's, he, I bet he weighs 185 pounds. Exactly. And and K K tries to like preach that he can play one through four all those positions, but he doesn't he doesn't go inside, especially not on the offensive boards. I mean, he'll get cheap defensive rebounds, but he definitely doesn't go in on offense to get rebounds. Can uh can't he just take PEDs like half of the NBA? So rude. Why? Well, why? Well, why not? What's the? I mean, you know, you don't have to indict everybody. No, I'm kidding. It's not half. It's like forty percent. But, um, <laughs> all right, Tate. Thank you for your contribution. Um, now he'll put on the weight. It'll be fine. I mean, that's guy, what they said about Bradley Beal, by the way. Well, Bradley Beal is they're, 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 he's just jinxed. I'm just gonna stop. I there's I'm he not, sprained there's no his way. pelvis. I'm who who the I can't hell? Do, he sprained his pelvis. Who sprains their pelvis? The guy is jinxed. It, it's the most almost bullet injury of 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 all time. We had Mark Price's plantar fasciitis. We had uh, you know r- r- right after signing him, 
Sexy Rexy hurt his foot in a year that the, the almost bullets were going to do something. They were the, the real actual. They were the bullets then, and and Bradley Beal sprained pelvis after a series of other you know stress stress concern stress injury in the in the in the tibia. I mean, come on. I remember I sprained my pelvis once in the Bahamas. No, I didn't. Um, That's so bad. I can't believe I just chuckled at that. Awful. How's I'm going to lay out the most important thing I've ever laid out in uh, in the Bill Simmons podcast. I've probably laid out more important things in the BS report, but I know for the Bill Simmons podcast, this is probably number one. You ready? I'm ready. Here's how Kevin Durant ends up on the Celtics in July. This is, how dare you? Go ahead. I should have known. What do you mean, how dare I? Go ahead. Are the Celtics the seventh best team in the NBA right now? They are. They're the seventh best team in the NBA. They have the seventh best record house. Congrats. They've won 14 straight games at home. They're going to end up in the high 40s. We're going to win our bet on their over-under. Knocking on wood. Don't want to jinx it. Knocking on wood. They have Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and Marcus Smart, and Olenek. All under contract um, next year for, I think, like $27 million combined. Right? Very good. So f- Very good. Five guys you can have in a nine-man rotation on a winning team. And Isaiah's an all-star. I mean, I- Isaiah's one of the best 20 guys in the league now. It's incredible, but it's true. The guy's like Tiny Archibald. Um, their cap space next year, if they got rid of Jarebko and they got rid of Amir Johnson, just didn't extend them, it's at like $30 million bucks. Right? The cap's going to be like, I think, at least 70 They have room for two max guys. They're also going to have a top five pick from Brooklyn. They're going to have a Dallas pick that's going to be in the 13 to 16 range. They're going to have their own pick, which will be in like the uh, the low mid-20s. They have two more Brooklyn picks in 2017 and 2018. And they have a Memphis pick that becomes unprotected around 2021. So they have a ton of assets. Um, Durant. They could get Durant and Al Horford this summer. And if you're Durant and you're trying to win a title and you're like, screw that. Like, let's say he gets bounced in round two. Let's say they just lose in round two and it's a really unhappy thing. And he's like, screw it. It's time for me to go. I want to go win a title. Where does he go that's a better situation than this Boston situation? Is that that the question? You're asking me that? I'm asking you that. That's a serious question I'm asking you. The the answer is Golden State. The answer is, uh, San Antonio. The answer is San Antonio can't Clippers. afford him. Cross off San Antonio. The answer is Clippers, the Clippers can't afford him. It would have to be a sign and trade with Blake Griffin. And by the way, he's not. Way, let me just wait, hold on a second. Why is the Clippers a better situation than Boston? Um, Chris Paul's going to be in his thirteenth season. I think the past twelve years, you have answered that question. What? What is so good about the Clippers situation? They haven't even made the conference finals, and Chris Paul is at like in Los Angeles. It's not Boston. Boston's a top six market. Do you think that being (laughs) Boston? You will never go back. You've said it. You're on record in the BS report, in the Bill Simmons (laughs) podcast, everything on the BSPN. You are never going back. I was in the East Coast for 32 years. That's the only reason I'm not going back. Well, that was enough. I'm going to go back. Kevin Durant grew up in, in the in the DMV. You know what? And he's not going to Boston. If we got Durant, I think I'd go back. I think that's it. I think I'd throw all of this away and just go back. Well, 
Well, this is great. You you don't have to your your kids. There's no dangers that, that, that you're going to have to go back and do that to your kids because well, it, there is no scenario under which he's going to Boston. It's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. It's not and the most ludicrous thing you've ever heard. I think it's important for you to continue to have dreams. By the way, I got on this podcast today, speaking of dreams, ready to to explain the logic behind the Caps uh, winning the Stanley Cup this year after these radically unexpected events in my sports life. The the Washington, D.C. Gruden's making the playoffs, Kirk Cousins, uh, near all-star quarterback, the College of the Holy Cross, in the NCAA tournament, the Caps already surpassing the 100-point total. That's a delicious cash for Daddy House at um, some wonderful odds in, 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 a, in, a, in a future bet I may or may not have made back in October. Um, <laughs> there, everything's lining up. But, I supported but look, that bet. <laughs> you, you, you did not support that bet. No, the Caps. You made fun when of me got, for that bet. No, you got Justin I'm gonna Williams. I'm going to read the text. I told you that. I'm going to find got, that text and read it out loud. I told you I like Justin Williams, and that, and you got TJ Ashe. I like that. I like those guys. I thought that was. I thought you, you made fun of me for making bets on the Caps. I, the I, only I, reason I, I made fun of it was because the Caps are are just they'll, they'll never win a Stanley Cup in either of our <laughs> lifetimes. That's the reason I made fun of it. I understand. They're well, like guess the what? Browns the the Celtics are not getting Kevin Durant either. So we could have Kevin Durant, Al Horford, <laughs> and we could have the top five pick. What if we won the lottery? What, what, what if? We got Ben Simmons, too. We well, have well, my, look, Dream big. Dream big. Don't, 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 don't shortchange yourself. Let this dream go all the way out. Uh, well, I'll flip this around. If Kevin Durant doesn't come to Boston this summer, he's a flat-out coward. And he doesn't want to win, and he doesn't take winning seriously. And that's, Stephen that's a. my Simmons. takeaway. <laughs> Stephen A. Simmons on the BSPN today. Kevin Durant, I know things about you. I'll come after you. <laughs> now, I, I do think I, I'm going to throw one more thing as, as evidence. You ready? Sure. Who was the only team in the 2007 lottery with the balls to take Kevin Durant and would have? The, the, what do you mean? The yeah, Celtics. Seattle. The Celtics of Boston. No, they would have taken Durant one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know who knows that? Kevin Durant and his family. They know Danny Ainge believed. <laughs> Everyone else was taking Greg Oden, whose leg was two inches shorter than his other leg. I don't and Danny think that's Ainge was true. Like, I loved Kevin Durant. Here's another thing. A lot thing. of people love Kevin Durant. Why did Kevin Durant, why did he, I, I'm sorry, why did Danny Ainge get fined in 2007 by the NBA? I don't know. Because he went to a Texas game. He went to a bunch of Texas games because that's how much he loved Kevin Durant. One of those games, he sat next to Kevin Durant's mom, Wanda. And the NBA didn't like it. And they thought there was that, that there was he had crossed the line of whatever rule there is where you can't talk to the pick before the end of the draft. And they find him. But that's how long he's known Kevin Durant's mom. That's a weird rule, by the way. Yeah. What's the what's the difference? Listen, Kevin. They Durant, don't have a. There's no relationship. It's not like it's the the NCAA with their ridiculous, you know, uh, no touch rules. Listen, Kevin Durant. If if you want to go to a team that's always believed in you, you know where we are. We believe <laughs> since freezing, 2007. Freezing cold. You know. Oh, OKC is much better. OKC, where they signed him and they signed James Harden, and they, I'm sorry, they signed him and they signed Westbrook to long contracts under the under the uh, impression that they would be trying to keep this dynasty together and then they traded their buddy Harden right after they locked up the other two guys. Would you stay there if you were them? So the whole playoffs get to be 
yet to be played. We will we will have a lot more information about all of these movies. Well, that's the thing. So what if they summer. have a very unhappy round two exit? Then then things that we might not have imagined possible could become possible. I don't begrudge you dreaming big. If he, I want you to dream big. If he goes to the Lakers, he, he might as well just start dating whatever Kardashian's available and just go that route and just be like, I don't why care about he, titles. Why would he go to the Lakers? I don't that's, care about titles. Insane. I don't care about titles. I just want to live in LA and wear sunglasses and be cool and I'll drive a Bugatti and I'll be awesome. And I'm going to date Kendall going Jenner. To the Lakers. Well, that's that would be my takeaway if he went to the Lakers. If he went to the Knicks, I, I mean, he would just have quit on life at that point. I, don't, I can't even imagine why he would do that. Where else is he going to go? You really think that Clippers? What 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 is appealing about the Clippers situation? Bomber's been a disaster. Bomber's like the non-racist Sterling. I would say he's not going. But that's funny, by the way. Thank you. He's not going anywhere. He is going to re-sign with OKC. That's what makes the most economic sense for him. And that provides him the most options as all of the variables and uncertainties associated with this brand new salary cap, this, this enormous uh, growth in, in, in the cap over this summer, a whole bunch of pieces will fall in place. The safest thing for him to do is to go ahead and max himself out, get that 10-year service under his belt, and be ready to go eat up 33% of the salary cap for wherever he, he wants to land next summer. Right. Summer of 2017-18. Well, the Celtics have the best salary cap situation and the most assets, and they're already a top seven team. I'm just pointing that out. They'll have a chance. They'll still have a chance to take a run at him next summer. They don't have to uh, push all their their chips into the into the center this summer. And for the record, nobody does. For the record, for for any asshole out there who's going to put this in a transcript in a blog post and try to make it look like I'm not objective. <laughs> Um, I'm doing this as a Celtics fan. I'm not doing this as somebody who writes about the NBA and has been on the NBA show. This is just purely me as a Celtics fan laying out the case for why Kevin Durant should go to Boston and why if he doesn't go to Boston, that just tells me he doesn't care about winning. That's it. We've been we've been friends a long time. I I I, I yeah, mean this. 1988. As um, you know, uh, fairly as possible. When's the last time anybody accused you of being objective? Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. I, I tried to stay pretty objective for the most part. The only time I lost it was when when I, when I was working for ESPN. The only time I actually like kind of my brain broke was when Cleveland won the lottery again and I was on live TV. I was just so upset. I just couldn't believe they won it again. It was like they had been the most incompetent team for like seven years. They completely screwed up the LeBron era to the point that he left. And then they got three of the next four number one picks. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. How does that team win again? Yeah. I'm shaking my head. It's hard to believe. It's really crazy. Anthony Bennett out of the league, by the way. Out of the league? Out of the league. Well, that was the draft before. but um, Oh, well. But yeah, no, that was the Wiggins draft. And, and uh, you know, man, you look at you look at how they played everything. Cleveland. Have you been watching them? I, uh, it's a Frank, fascinating. Pop, popped the uh, a, a stat after they lost. You know, yet another. What was the they they, they just beat? Um, they had a good uh, win the other day. Yeah, they they won last night. It's it's, <laughs> and they had a good day. They, they played well against Boston. Boston came out on Saturday night, laid a big 
We had a big haymaker on him early, and then that Cleveland just fought back. It's there's, I mean, I look, I I know I overrate body language, and I'm always looking for stuff. Uh, the body language doctor does not like what he sees from Cleveland, and um, what they've done to Kevin Love's career is almost criminal. He's like he's like a 14 and seven guy now who shoots 37 percent from the field and is a shitty defender and was they lost the- to the Grizzlies. That was the one that I didn't like. By three, they lost to the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies. Tony Allen scored twenty six points. What, on yeah, them. like Monday night. Yeah, Tony yeah. was. The what's shocking about the Cavs is how much they rely on uh, on J.R. Smith and Della Vadova. Those guys are in. A, they're out there in crunch time. Those are two well, of their this? five they couldn't crunch persuade time guys. Joe Johnson to come help help out and take a shot at a ring. Not a good sign for them. There is a vibe now. I don't know. Uh, it's a shame we you can't have Brian Windhorst on because I would like some insider scoop on this. The vibe I'm glad you I mentioned get. that. You know why I can't have Brian Windhorst on? Because ESPN won't let anyone from ESPN come on my podcast, which is fine. But it's just it's just laying down the ground rules for what's going to unfold over the next few years. Well, it could have been friendly, as, and it's not going to be friendly. Is my point? That's, <laughs> it's it's already unfriendly. No, oh, it's surprised. it's going to be more unfriendly. I, I'm excited to see just, how unfriendly it can get. Just wait until we <laughs> until the Ringer hires a public editor for ESPN that writes for the Ringer. That's going to get friend, that's going to get very unfriendly. Um, I would like to get a Cleveland Insider's perspective on something that you're you just referenced with the body language doctor. Yeah. Um, it looks like there's a little bit of the inmates running the asylum. Yes. That's the vibe I get. A, a little bit. bit. You agree with that? Yeah, a little bit. That's your take? <laughs> a little bit? They gave Tristan Thompson a max contract and and have LeBron's handpicked coach, and LeBron's made most of the trades and the moves? I'm going to say it's a lot of bit. Well, I, I mean more the performance over the last 22, 23 games. Uh, when they lost to the Grizzlies, they've been 14-7 and seven since they fired Blatt, um, since, since LeBron fired Blatt. And they've been pushing this up-tempo style – and what it's produced is, uh, and I'll have to look at the stats to confirm this, but to, to my, my dumb naked eye, more turnovers, more ISO, more hero ball, yeah. and, you know, f- less opportunities to work guys. Like, uh, Love had, like, three great games immediately after Blatt fired, and, that, and now he's gone. He's off the island. He's off the island and didn't even play in crunch time in the Boston game. I've noticed that um, LeBron seems very deliberate. And I thought it was interesting. Bogut was on my podcast and he said how Vergeau came to the Warriors and was like, I can't believe how well you guys move the ball around. It's so different than where I just came from or whatever he said. And I thought that was really telling that I, I don't know. Whatever style Cleveland is doing right now is a style from 20 years ago. Yeah. With, with more threes. But it's basically very deliberate. You get the ball. Everything stops. Let me decide what to do. And it's kind of what LeBron wants to do. Like he's, it's almost the, the thing well, I noticed. Look, he, what? Here's what's curious about it. I think it's the right antidote to, to Golden State. It might. Be. If Cleveland really thinks that they're going to play in the finals against Golden State um, this 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 year, um, they need to do. They need to repeat the same style of play as last finals, where they controlled pace. They beat the hell out of the dubs, the dubs on the boards, and they basically made the you know whittled the games down to um, end of game possession. I I think it's the 
right move for LeBron. I'm not sure it's the right move for the team. And you know, the interesting thing about Kyrie is you think he's like this because he's young and he's athletic. You think he's this up and down guy, but he's actually a little more deliberate with how he plays, which is how LeBron plays. I, the whole mix, I'm just not totally sold on. It, it just seems like LeBron is trying to solve every possession. It's like, here, let me let me figure out the absolute perfect chess move for this possession. It's like, I'm not sure those guys play basketball enough. And then you see the last four minutes when they fall behind. That's when LeBron just puts his head down and gets to the rim. It's almost like, he's like ah, fuck it. This is, this is, and, now, and then he starts going to the rim and he gets fouls and they come back. But if I'm Kyrie, I'm not sure this is the best team for me. I'm not sure I want to play with LeBron James if I'm Kyrie. Like if I really want to become one of the best five players in the league or something. I'm not sure LeBron helps me get there, right? It's a weird thing to say now because yeah. they were 30 and 11 before they fired Blatt. And Kyrie and, and LeBron together were in the finals last year. Right. And they looked very well poised to beat the Warriors in the finals last year. Yeah. I mean, the East, no? was, the East was such a mess. They never really got tested in the, in the first three rounds. And then in the, the finals... I got to say, like, I think Golden State just got scared those first couple games. I think they just got super tight. And I think LeBron did the best player on the floor thing. And everyone in Golden State kind of, their sphincters tightened. And it wasn't until, like, game four that they became Golden State. And then it was over. But Well, it, the, the, the West is going to be really interesting this year. Um, it's under understatement of, uh, you know, Captain Obvious time. Right. Um, but for no me, it's like... That- I, I just think with the with the Cavs, everyone's like, how do they get Kevin Love going? How do they get Kevin Love going? I don't really care. Like, I care. I, they got to get Kyrie going is the guy they have to get going because I think ultimately their destiny is LeBron playing the four with, I with totally three perimeter with guys and Thompson at the five. That's the crunch time lineup that's going to beat teams. You know and, who else doesn't care about getting Kevin Love going? The Cavs. No, they don't. I, I don't think he... I really think we're headed to a scenario where he doesn't play in crunch time in big games in the playoffs. I think that's his destiny on this team because their best chance to win is LeBron at the four. It just is. It's obvious. If you watch him, it's like, hey, he should be playing there and they should be playing faster and they should have more shooters. And Thompson is the rebounder. LeBron is the ball handler. And then three guys spotting up. And they're better defensively when Love's not out there. So when they have Thompson, Love, and LeBron... It's not as effective. I don't know what the per 100 stats are, but I promise you they're not as good as some of the other lineups, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So a team like Boston, and I think Cleveland's better. <laughs> Just to come back to Boston? Well, I, you know, Boston's a three seed, and Toronto's a two seed. And I think for either of those teams, I don't think they have enough talent to beat Cleveland, but the way to beat them is to just be relentless and to just keep coming and coming and coming and playing defense and banging bodies and knocking te- knocking guys down and just being super competitive and hoping that Cleveland caves. That's their only chance. Cleveland, the way Cleveland is going to lose in round two or round three is because Cleveland lost, because Cleveland yeah. lost the series. Not I, more than the other team won it. It reminds me of uh, in 2010, Cleveland was better than Boston. Um, Cleveland just, whatever was going on with that team internally, they just kind of melted down the last three games. And Rondo played out of his mind, and all of a sudden Boston was in the finals. But Cleveland was better. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's the chance this year. I I think Toronto has a better chance to pull it off than Boston. Obviously, I just think they're, you know, Lowry is somebody that can go toe to toe. You know, they had they have rebounding. They have some. It's the right kind of team. If I'm I'm happy for Toronto, and the, you know, much respect to to the T dot and and we the North, but uh, I'm I'm I have a healthy dose of skepticism after watching the Almost Bullets sweep Toronto out of the playoffs last year. They they so, they are much improved, but it's it's still the same cast of characters. They got their ass handed to them as soon as the bright lights went on. There's one other team that uh, you're going to laugh. Haralabob pointed this out to me. The Pistons. Oh, I'm not laughing at the Pistons. Okay. No, that's... That's a legit I, – I, I like very much the formula that they have and how um, uh, complementary – you know, it, it's a formula that fits Van Gundy's eye. It's, the, it's a, it's a SVG team through and through. So the reason you should have laughed is they're the ninth seed right now and not in the playoffs. But I, – I, I think I have them in. If I mean, they, I understand they're the eight, but I, I mean the nine. But If they get to the eight seed – like if I'm Cleveland, here here's everybody like Charlotte's six, Indiana seven, Chicago's eight, Detroit's nine, Washington's ten. Chicago, Cleveland's gonna kill all those teams except Detroit. Yeah. Detroit is actually that's a really interesting series, and I think Van Gundy is a really good coach. Um, Detroit guys aren't afraid. Drummond's kind of up and down, but in the playoffs, if those games are on TV, I think I think he'd have a little eye of the tiger. And uh, I don't know, man. I that's kind of, that's a dangerous one eight matchup for a team that I don't totally trust in Cleveland. You know? Yeah, yeah. F- five thirty eight. Not not to pimp a um, an ESPN property, but no, five thirty eight. I'm cool their, with Nate Silver. Yeah, yeah. They they're they're um, make the playoff percentage right now is sixty nine percent at a forty three and thirty nine record, and they're in as a as a it looks like a seven seed. Oh, seven seed wouldn't be as much fun. It'd be much more fun if they got the eight seed. If I'm counting this right, you know, uh, I'm not sure I'm counting it right. Oh my God, we, I'm we're we're doing this before I hang up with Sal. I, before we finish the podcast, we're calling Sal and we're talking him into this. Detroit is one hundred. Oh. Detroit is a hundred to one to win the East. <laughs> I mean, I I can't wait to lose a hundred dollars on that. They're hundred to one. Is there? <laughs> Is there one out of a hundred scenarios where the Pistons go to the finals? We we missed out on Holy Cross at three hundred to one. I'm not missing out on the Pistons. Tate, are those odds too high? I'm I'm all in. I'm all in for the Magic to come back, just like the Orlando Magic back in the day. The Magic for SVG. That's a really interesting bet. House, you there? Did you, did I'm you here. Have a heart I, I already oh, said I I'm in. <laughs> I mean, a hundred bucks. Why not? It's funny that I've they spent a hundred on far worse. It's funny that they have worse odds than the Washington Wizards, who suck. How can they have worse odds than 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 the Almost Bullets? That doesn't make a lick of sense. The Wizards are eighty to one. on the phone right now. Don't wait. <laughs> we got to get this in. And the Bulls are twenty-five to one. Does anyone watch the Bulls? Oh my God. That They're did. not going to make the playoffs. That's my team for for who Detroit's going to replace. I know Butler's back and and the the Butler Powell combo or 
rolling along, but I have the Bulls out. I thought Butler was meeting with Dr. James Andrews. Oh, he played. He played last week. Am I wrong about this? Yeah, but then there was like a yeah. He's seeking a second opinion on his knee from Doctor James Andrews. You know, it's a dangerous word or Doctor uh, dangerous three <laughs> words. It's Doctor James Andrews. Who likes I that? I want to do a very yeah. Very, oh, so he he he's missing tonight's game. Okay, I get it. So, um, swollen left knee. That's not. A, those are three bad words. Yeah, and, that, and the weird thing about that was they said it was a bruised knee, but he was missing a couple weeks. Who the hell misses three weeks because of a knee bruise? Like, he obviously hurt something, and they just didn't want to say what he hurt. Yeah, something inside of it. Yeah, he obviously tore something or stretched something or did something. And they were like, oh, bruised knee, he'll be back. These teams always lie about injuries. The Celtics lied about KG in 09. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back. Oh, he's fighting. Meanwhile, the guy didn't come back for like nine months. I, I, I know that we just um, shit on Chicago a little bit. I want to do a very, very quick shout-out. Have you been watching Doug McDermott? Uh, Dougie Buckets. McBuckets? What's his nickname? McBuckets? Dougie McBuckets. Yeah. Dougie McBuckets? Dougie Mc... Yeah, I've been watching. I mean... He completely re-engineered his body. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a dunker. He dunked on the almost bullets a couple weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. I think he dunked on Nene. It was unbelievable. He's going to... Um... He's two years away from being really interesting, because he, he, you know, he could be. He there's going to be a year where he just makes two hundred fifty threes. He acquired in the course of this season um, a whole bunch of lateral movement that I was very skeptical. And we we both talked about this. We talked about him having a big butt. Yeah, and, and that it was going to be an, an NBA issue because of you know the lateral movement thing. He he solved that. I don't know whether what combination of diet and whoever he's been training with, but he's in awesome shape. It looks like he's gained, you know, four inches on his vertical. All right, here's what we learned with Joe House today. Uh, Holy Cross needs to put more money into his sports programs because their alumni love when the teams do well. Uh, we learned that. We learned that Kevin Durant might go to the Boston Celtics. I don't care what you say. No, House. no, we learned. That's what I learned. Uh, yeah. We learned that Detroit is 100 to one to win the East, and that's not a terrible bet. Get Sal on the phone. We learned that the Cleveland Cavaliers should be more worried about getting Kyrie Irving going than Kevin Love going. And uh, and we learned that, that that House actually thinks the Caps might win the Stanley Cup when he should know better. <laughs> they have the best odds. I, I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just not going against them. The three goals last night in the third period against the Kings, and mm. the Kings being the dominant, the preeminent, Mm. Um, puck control hockey team in the NHL. I mean, you know, this Washington team is just legit. I, I'm, the only thing I'm rooting for is is health. Can yeah. we get to the playoffs healthy? That's the most important thing. We need everybody healthy. They're they're uh, they got to stop giving up uh, uh, the first period um, cheapy goals. They've given up. A, a, they, they've been behind in like you know twelve of the last fourteen games or something like that. But I, I mean, I, I just adore this team. It's great. My wife and my son and my uh, nephew all went last night, and my wife had never seen three and three hockey in person, and it was like a oh, life, wow. life-altering experience. It really is. When it goes to overtime, it's there. The buzz in the building is like before a main event prize fight. <laughs> Everyone's so, so people cool. love three and three hockey. It's the best. I don't, I don't know how they incorporate more of it, but maybe, or maybe it's the right amount. I don't know, but uh, I think it's the right amount. It's a, yeah. It was a brilliant innovation. Kudos to the NHL for for 
you know, a, a good move with that overtime thing. They still have to figure out the points. It's one point if you make it's it to so the overtime. It's still a point if you make it to the shootout. It's, it's weird. I have a master's degree and can't figure out the points. Uh, <laughs> Joe House, always a pleasure. Go Holy Cross. Talk to you next week. Awesome. Hey, with uh, college basketball in full swing, you might be like Tate the producer. You're figuring out which one of your friends will invite you over to watch games. You're saving up to spend a wad of cash on drinks so you can watch at a sports bar. Worst of all, you're wasting hours looking for a shady live stream like you, Tate, with the Patriot League final. Yeah, very shady. Yeah. Uh, Well, there's a better, cheaper option. Sling TV is the best way to watch games live. For just $20 a month, you get more than 20 live channels, including AMC, ESPN, Adult Swim, and more importantly, this month, TNT, TBS, and True TV. You can watch live basketball. Oh, guess what? Those are the March Madness channels. Um, you could also add on channel packs like the Sports Extra Package for just $5 a month extra. No installation. No extra gear. No annual contracts. All you need is an internet connection. Start your free seven-day trial at sling.com Simmons. You get the best of live TV on your tablet, phone, laptop, Roku, Fire TV, or Xbox. Restrictions apply. Sling.com Simmons. And since we're here, and this has nothing in common with live TV, um, but it is nice to when you're watching live TV to have a healthy scalp. You know how important a healthy scalp is? You cannot have an unhealthy scalp. So try Head & Shoulders with Old Spice. Head & Shoulders delivers an amazing daily clean. It's powered by the handsome scent of Old Spice. When have the words handsome scent not been fantastic? Uh, your hair will look good. Your hair will smell great all day and all night. Uh, I once worked with someone who had so much dandruff, his, his clothes always looked like he had walked in from a blizzard. And we never said anything to him. Don't be that guy. Uh, and don't be the guy who's always scratching his head because he has an itchy scalp and he won't do anything about it. You don't want to be that guy either. Head and shoulders is 100% guaranteed to keep you flake free. Uh, a good rule in life. You always want to be flake free, whether it's your scalp your love life, whatever. Uh, there's a good reason Head & Shoulders is the world's number one shampoo. It gives you great-looking, flake-free hair so you have the confidence to live headfirst every day. Grab a bottle of Head & Shoulders and try it out. Do it right now. You'll be glad you did. All right, we're going to call Greg Cosell. Oh, I've always wanted to talk to this guy, so let's do it. And now uh, a guy I've always wanted to have on the pod. I don't know why it hasn't happened before now. He's a senior producer at NFL Films. Greg Cosell, how are you? Bill, I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I've, I always enjoyed you on Coward and a couple other places, and I was always like in the back of my head, I want to have this guy on talk about NFL, and I just kept forgetting to ask. But now you're here, so this is fantastic. Um, a lot of stuff going on. What was your What was your favorite move so far? We're taping this on a Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday morning, West Coast time. So something might happen even as we're taping this. But your favorite move right now? Well, I got to tell you, it's going to be a move that a lot of people are going to go, huh? But I think the Eagles signing of safety Rodney McLeod, a very under-the-radar signing, is a great signing. As you may know, I watch all the coaching tape, and Rodney McLeod is one of the best safeties in the NFL, one of the best free safeties in the NFL. In fact, I was talking to someone at the Combine who said he's really not far from the Earl Thomas level, and the tape kind of shows that to some degree. So there's a, a classic case of an under-the-radar signing. I think it was a great signing and, and uh, a great move by the Eagles. All right, what was your second favorite signing? 
Oh, are we, are we going to do lists here? No, I'm no, not this is it. This will be my last one. You're, two, you're second. This is your silver medalist. All right, I'll give you another one that's under the radar, okay? Yeah. The Tennessee Titans signing wide receiver Rashard Matthews from the Miami Dolphins. Ooh. Not a big-name guy. Yeah. But uh, I watched him. I remember watching him when he came out of Nevada. I thought he'd be one of those receivers that would find a place in the NFL with the potential to be a nice complimentary receiver if you have a nice number one. And I think uh, for a team that needed wideouts, I think that was a real good signing. So isn't it interesting that the team that has had the most success for the last 15 years, hands down, has been the New England Patriots. And every year in day one and day two of this stuff, they sit out and they just let everyone else spend all their money. Why don't more teams replicate what the Patriots do since the Patriots always go 12-4 and or 13-3? and Well, you probably know the answer to that. I know you're a New England guy. I, I assume you're probably a Patriots fan. Yes. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a um, safe assumption. Well, good. Uh, I know you're a Red Sox fan. That's been made very clear. Um, uh, I would imagine that has something to do with the fact that there's not a lot of Tom Brady's playing quarterback in the NFL. And when you have a quarterback like that, then your margin for error throughout the rest of your roster is much, much greater. And not that they don't want good players, but as you know, in, in the free agent business, it becomes risk versus reward. You have to spend a lot of money. You know, everybody says, why do we pay, when they're talking about their team, why are we paying this guy so much? That's just what the market bears. So you end up paying a lot of money for players who may be great players, may not be great players. And I don't really think that's the Bill Belichick approach. I think it's the right approach, but it's also very frustrating um, because as free agency in the draft and you know, it's the right move. And especially I think all the Patriot fans after all these years, like in Belichick, we trust, but at right. the same time, it's fun when your team goes out and gets somebody, you know, like the giants yesterday, I think they spent like 105 million guaranteed on three defensive guys. Um, all really good guys. And, uh, and the giants fans are walking around. They're all excited today. Now it might not have been the right move and it might've killed their salary cap, but for that 24 hours, you know, it's almost like buying a new car. You get that yep. new car smell in your house, and you know you're walking around. It feels great. And uh, what did you think of like what the Giants did? Well, again, I, Olivier Vernon is a player I really like, and and to be honest with you, Bill, I was kind of surprised what Miami did. That they they paid a lot of money for a, what a 31, 32 year old defensive end in Mario Williams, who's yep. been a very up and down player. And they let a much younger player go, who I personally think is a better player at this point than Mario Williams. So that I didn't understand. So I think the Giants got the benefit of that with Olivier Vernon. And then Damon Harrison is, to me, a very, very good interior defensive lineman. He can play in multiple schemes. He's not just one of those big fat guys who you line up over the center to, to hold space. He's actually a pretty good mover. So, you know, I think those two moves right there from a defensive line standpoint really, really helped them. Was there a team that made you wince these last two days? I mean, you go, oh, God, oh, no. Um, you know, i got to tell you, I, I was surprised that the Denver Broncos let Brock Osweiler out the door. Me too. Yeah, that that surprised me. 
so because right now they're a team without a quarterback, and I know there's a lot of rumors, but the reality is they had Brock Osweiler in a system in which he started seven games and performed well, and you have to assume that the ceiling is still higher than that uh, based on the fact that he'll have comfort with the system. And now they're starting over uh, at the most important position on the field. So I look at that one in two ways, right? Either, and I think it's one of these two, and maybe it's both. Either a, they didn't think he was that good, because if you if you have a guy around your team every single day and he's practicing with you and That's he started point. seven games, yep. maybe there was something about him that they didn't like, or maybe he was really his feelings were really hurt when they went back to Manning because the way they handled that. And the way they threw Osweiler under the bus in that game when he had like the four or five turnovers in the first half, but only one of them was his fault. Then Manning comes in. What game? I forget who they're – Tate, who were they playing in that game? The Broncos when, when Manning came in in the second half? Wasn't that the last – it was the last game of the season. It was the last game of the season. Yeah, San Diego. Yeah, it was the last game of the season. And Manning came in and didn't really do anything. Um, made some good audibles at the line and maybe completed one or two passes, but I – I don't know. The way they handled that, I remember watching that live and going, wow, they're really going all in on Manning because if I'm Osweiler, I don't like that. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, you make an interesting point. And the other point to that is they essentially won the Super Bowl and had a great Super Bowl run. And and we all love Peyton Manning, and it's no knock on Peyton Manning. It's just the, the uh, realistic interpretation of the film and the facts. They had a Super Bowl run bill where the quarterback was really not that central a figure to winning the Super Bowl. No. I mean, it- now. Now, look, John Elway's smart enough to know that you need a quarterback to win in this league. But, again, now it comes down to risk-reward. Maybe he just felt that that number, and this plays off what you said, they're with him every day, that that number was just too high for Brock Osweiler, and they weren't going to do it, and they still feel they can compete because they essentially just won a Super Bowl that way. I judge all non-Patriot quarterbacks by do they scare me when I've gambled against them or when they're playing the Patriots. And... I thought Osweiler was pretty good. I got to say, in that Sunday night game, when when uh, when he rallied back, the game that Gronkowski got hurt and sucked the life out of the Pats. And I yeah, think that he was made a, it, he but... made. Uh, well, you probably remember that game really well. I'm yeah. sure you do. He made a big time throw to Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, uh, down the left sideline, uh, a really big time throw. And I, I just thought, you know, it's one game, but it's Sunday night. It's NBC. It's the Patriots. They were behind. I liked how he carried himself. And I yeah. do think that's part of being a quarterback is, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm not a Tannehill guy. I just don't think like when the chips are down and, and you got 10 other guys in the huddle and Ryan Tannehill standing there, are the other guys going to like believe in Ryan Tannehill? Probably not. Like Osweiler, they, you could tell the Broncos actually believed in him and they thought he was going to lead them. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because at the end of the day, I've always believed that everything eventually gets manifested on the field. Now, I'm not saying that attitude and all those things are meaningless, but I think if if you're making the throws and there's there's tangible uh, traits and attributes that lead to making throws, yeah. I, I think that the other thing becomes secondary. Uh, now, Tannehill's obviously had some success in this league not enough success and and he's a the kind of guy that has had some concerns from a traits and attribute standpoint he he hasn't reached that level but i think if you make the throws i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't think you become a great quarterback in this league because you take your offensive line out to dinner on thursday night good point 
you know, I, I think ultimately you're going to have it all gets manifested one way or another on the field. But some of that is, you know, a little bit of courage, a little bit of charisma, a little bit of I just made an awesome throw on third and 13 when I had a guy about to pound me and I found Sanders or whatever. And right. But that's a tangible. Yeah. To yeah. me, that, that, that's a tangible. Even work ethic to me is a tangible. You know, people say, oh, well, you can't measure, you know, his work. Well, yeah, you can. Totally. That, that's a, That's a tangible. Yeah. I liked Osweiler. I, I, I thought what Houston did. And Lamar Miller is another guy that watching Miami the last two years. It never made sense why they didn't kind of go all in on him. I always thought he was dangerous. I was afraid of him when he played the Pats. But you could almost make your same point. Coaches, look, coaches don't want to get fired, correct? I mean, I think that's a fair assumption. Yes. So if the Miami coaching staff, and they went through a number of different coaches, so it was not just one coach, and they could be wrong. Many people could be wrong. That's happened. But if if they clearly felt that Miller was the kind of guy to go all in on as a feature back or foundation back and that, that it would help them win, don't you think they would have done that? What do you think of him? I'm not sure he's a foundation back. I like. I think he's a, a downhill explosive runner. I don't know if he has the ultimate skill set overall to be the kind of guy every week you pencil in for 20 carries and say our offense starts with him. Now, I'm sure in Houston, uh, look, they needed a back. Uh, again, now it's the it's the the free market. They needed a back. They 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 paid for him. Um, we'll see how Bill O'Brien uses him. He's obviously a weapon. Uh, again, we'll find out if he can carry twenty times a week. The one thing I've always agreed with Belichick on is to not overpay for running backs. And you saw some guys like Forte went for pretty yeah. big pretty big price, right? Demarco Murray got traded to Tennessee. He's expensive. Um, and the Pats and a couple other teams have always been like, no, no, we're not paying for that position. Doug Martin was another one that got paid. Where do you stand on that? You know, I've struggled with that over the years. I think that the running game is really important in the NFL. You know, look, we, everybody says just as gospel that, oh, you know, it's a passing league, and it is. We know that. But I still think you have to run the ball. And... <laughs> You know, can you run the ball with backs that are not great backs? Probably. Uh, If you're committed to the run game, I think you can. Uh, So I understand the philosophy. Uh, It'll be interesting in this draft uh, where certain guys go. Um, You know, Ezekiel Elliott is a name you hear a lot about. I haven't had a chance to study him hard yet, so I can't speak to his skill set other than seeing a few games here and there on TV. you know, is he going to go in the top 10 or top 15? I, I would doubt it, but again, every draft is its own entity. Were you surprised that Denver won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I thought that, uh, well, let's put this way, I was very, very surprised that they totally shut down Carolina's offense, particularly their run game. Now, in watching the tape, Bill, I thought that Jonathan Stewart did not have a good game, and I thought it showed up right away. I thought, you know, we always talk about quarterbacks sometimes playing a little faster, hurrying themselves. I thought Jonathan Stewart hurried himself. I thought, I think it might have been his first carry. He missed a hole, would have gained 15 yards right on, the, on, on his first carry of the game. I thought he played fast but I was overall surprised that Denver was able to totally shut down that run game and to be honest with you after watching the tape I thought the best Denver defensive player on the field was Malik Jackson wow and he went and he just left and he now he signed you know it's funny because he was a fourth or fifth round pick 
he was the kind of player when he came out of Tennessee, he was viewed as not quite quick enough to play defensive end, not quite big enough to play defensive tackle. So therefore, he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Now, that kind of player, that the value of that player has really increased because He's that kind of player. Michael Bennett's that kind of player. That sort of hybrid DND tackle has tremendous value now in the NFL. He got $42 million guaranteed. They also signed Chris Ivory and Tayshawn Gibson. And then Oakland, the other perennially lousy team, they got Sean Smith, Bruce Irvin, and Ozamali. <laughs> yeah, well, funny. Uh, that would be Osemele, by the way. Osemele. There I was, you go. I knew I was going to get in trouble with that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, and by the way, you mentioned a, a player who's another signing I really, really liked, the ja- Jacksonville signing of, of Gibson, the safety who came from Cleveland. Yeah. Another really good player, a, an under-the-radar player, but a very good free safety type. I think that really helps that, their defense. And Cleveland lost uh, Travis Benjamin, too, who I always thought, hey, if if I was a GM – and you mentioned um, the guy in Miami before. I try to look at wide receivers who just never found the right QB. It would seem like that would be like the uh, underappreciated resource. Travis Benjamin might just be really good, and we've never seen him with a QB, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a certain kind of player. Obviously, when you're that size, there's certain things you can't do. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. Receivers, and, and think about this every year with the draft. There's probably, on average, about 30 receivers drafted every year, give or take. Yeah. And, you know, every year there's maybe one or two that everybody says they're the top guys, and we all know they get taken high. But after that, when you talk about receivers, you could look at the draft from pick 40 to pick 150, and there'll be a ton of receivers taken, and it becomes a function of team and scheme. You know, one team might have a guy ranked as the 45th best best receiver. Another team might have the same guy as the 95th best receiver just because of of the approach and how they see him utilized within their their scheme. In the NFL, it it comes down very often – to scheme adaptability because there's very few players that come out that can transcend scheme. Is there a team just in the last two days that became a Super Bowl contender for you? Oh, you know, it's funny. I haven't thought of it in those terms because I, I, I tend, amazingly enough, because you know, I've been doing this for so long, not to think about Super Bowl contenders in March. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now I'm still getting my head around the fact that it's, it's 80 degrees here on the East Coast and, and, and pitchers and catchers reported three weeks ago, so I'm still struggling with that. Right. But at the same time, Houston was a playoff team last year. Yep. And if Osweiler's good... That's a possible Super Bowl contender now. Well, they're a more complete team is basically what you're saying, yes. Because yeah. you have to assume now, number one, you'll assume their run game is going to be better, okay, with Lamar Miller, and they still have Alfred Blue. They'll have, they'll have more elements, more dimensions to their run game. You have to assume their pass game will be better. Essentially, at this point, you're looking at Osweiler because he's only had seven NFL starts as being a higher level Brian Hoyer at this point. Now his ceiling is obviously much higher than that theoretically, but that's what he'll be for this year. And and that's what you're looking for. Um, And their defense got better and better. They still have some holes on defense, but clearly their defense is good enough to keep them in just about every game. I'm like you. I don't even like thinking about it until August, but that the one team I was hoping wouldn't get a quarterback was Houston. Because the other part with that is they have Hopkins, who might be the best receiver in the league, and now he has somebody who who can actually throw 40-yard passes to him, and that makes me nervous too. Yeah, and, and- 
and again, I, I know what you're saying, but I think you also have to be a little careful with a guy that started seven games. You know, it's 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 easy to say, and, and obviously for the most part he played pretty well. He was obviously on a pretty darn good team, but I think you have to be careful about automatically saying that that Osweiler is is the answer. I mean, I think he's he's a good player. I liked what I saw. But it's real hard for me to say after seven NFL starts that you can just sort of put him down in ink and he's the guy and let's go rock and roll. It shows how just desperate teams are for quarterbacks, right? Like Osweiler literally played seven games and I think he threw for 300 yards in one of them and just got $72 million. Right. It's he's and, a quarterback. You know what? The other thing that helped him was it's been so long now since the Scott, Scott Mitchell signing that I think uh, – I think but, teams you know, have forgotten. On the flip side, Bill, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick is still out there. Now, I think a careful study of the tape shows that despite the numbers, that Fitzpatrick was not a great player by any means. Right. And I think people know that, and that's why there has not been great, great demand. And maybe it's why the Jets are not willing to throw a ton of money at him, even though he – as I said, put up good numbers for them because he's got some significant flaws and weaknesses. And, and, you know, they got through a season without those becoming a major issue, but they know what he is. Um, you know, then you have RG3 and Colin Kaepernick. You know, it's, so there's other quarterbacks out there that teams are not so willing to sign so fast. Would you, would you roll the dice with Kaepernick? You know, and again, this is purely a film study statement, Bill, because that's what I do. The last time he really played significantly, they tried to simplify that offense so significantly by NFL standards, and he still couldn't execute it. So, And what people have to understand, that running fast in a straight line and throwing the ball really hard, those are not quarterback attributes at the NFL level. And he hasn't shown a whole lot more than that in his most recent play. So when teams look at the tape and, and see what, what is there, it's not my interpretation, it's fact, then they struggle with that. And at the same time, he had first and goal from the five to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's amazing, right? So yeah. what happens if he what happens if they score on that drive and they win the Super Bowl? Well, that would have been interesting to see if his if his career path would have followed the same course. You know, that's that's impossible to know. All we know is what the tape shows now. Yeah. And and he hasn't put uh, he hasn't put a lot of good play on tape in his last whatever it was ten, twelve, whatever the number of starts. And in fact, it was bad tape. And that's what teams are looking at. That's why. I mean, I guess I read uh, before we started talking that three teams are interested in trading for him. I don't think they'll have to give up very much to get him. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was so bad last year. I, I actually would probably stay away. I, I just think he, he was just, his confidence was shot. I don't know. How about RG3? What's your feeling about that? It's, um, I don't think physically he can hold up. I, it's a little bit different, but same thing. Like from a confidence standpoint, I, I just don't think it's, it's there. But I, I was hoping the Rams would sign him just because I'd like the, the poetic uh, whatever of him, them trading, all, getting all those picks for him and then somehow in, him ending up on the Rams. And I also think they're going to try to have some sort of star at that position. Not that he's a star, but some sort of name just because it's L.A. first year and you got to think that way, I think. Yeah, he's in a similar situation as Kaepernick. You put the tape on from the last time he played, and again, you saw an offense that was really simplified and he and he couldn't execute it efficiently. 
So, you know, now you, you know, ultimately that's what the NFL is. You, coaches work 20 hours a day. They work their tails off. And what they really like to have happen is they like to have the game plans and the schemes executed as practiced. And when, when quarterbacks in particular don't do that, it short circuits offenses. I was shocked that the Rams just didn't overpay Manning for one year. I, I'm not convinced that Manning wanted to retire. I just think these guys never want to retire until nobody wants them as their starting quarterback. And if the, I think if the Rams had floated $13 million for him for one year, I think he's on the Rams. What do you think? Uh, boy, that's hard to say. I mean, we kept reading that Peyton wanted to play, and we know how much he loves it. You know, we also know he's a pretty smart guy. I, I think he had to know somewhere in the deep recesses of his brain, Bill, that it, you know he really wasn't playing at a level that he wants to play at and that he's built a whole career on. I mean, I'm really glad he retired. I don't know Me how you too. feel. I'm really no. glad he retired. I thought uh, I thought he was barely hanging on last year, and I thought they, they especially won that last game despite him. Their defense won that game. I think him and Brady are – wired in a way that they're they're both of them are just going to keep playing until nobody wants them as a starter you know now you're you're a patriots fan obviously do you expect brady to keep playing at at the same level for a while longer or do you think all of a sudden it's just not going to be the same I, I mean doesn't the history of the quarterback position say right around now is when you start to lose it if anyone can defy it it's him like his numbers have been the same pretty much for the last eight years and it's nothing yep. to do with I don't think it has as much to do with this talent as much as just the way the rules have changed and the advantages that quarterbacks have as, you know, now guys can't dive at their knees and guys right. can't hit. You can't really hit receivers over the middle at all anymore. Um, I just think it's easier to play quarterback, but then you watch him in that Denver game. He got hit 23 times. And, and, you know, that was not a good game for him. I mean, no. and I'm not talking about just the numbers and the result. I'm talking about the fact that Denver did some things defensively. He, he was unsure at times of what he was seeing, and you rarely say that about Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've probably watched almost all of the games he's played, and there's a couple different versions of Brady, and you kind of know in the first, second quarter who you're getting. And that to, that Brady was kind of a, a slightly confused, not 100% confident. I don't feel great. I think I'm going to be hit this whole game, Brady. <laughs> you know, yeah. you could see it early. It was like, oh, you're no. right. Because there's other games where he comes out and you're like, oh, he's got it tonight. This is, they, you know, usually a night game. And you can tell in the first quarter he's fired up. He's headbutting people. He was, that was not the Brady in that Denver game. And with that said, he threw the best pass I've ever seen him ever throw to Gronk on that fourth and ten to save the season. It was and, the greatest and, pass and, of his career. But you know what? On the two-point conversion, Terrible. he missed He missed Gronk wide open, and that was the design of the play. And yeah. to this day, I don't know why he didn't throw that ball. Only he can tell you that. We can't. But they had Gronk one-on-one, and he was wide open on a little out route. And uh, I don't know why he didn't throw it. Well, Greg um, – you're talking to a guy who may or may not have watched that play over 250 times on the internet. And, and I actually have the answer. You do. Yeah. I have the answer. And after we hang up, you can go watch and you'll see what I mean. So right as Gronk is crossing, there's a big guy right in the middle between him and Brady. It's a, it's a linebacker or a defensive end or somebody. And I think Brady was blocked on Gronk. I don't think he could see him. So he kind of started to audible and do something different. And that's when Gronk broke open. 
And that's when he was already kind of had decided to throw in a double coverage. I just think he missed him because he was blocked. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a Patriots fan trying to justify. You know, that oh, reminds no. me of the old like line. It. It's a one hundred percent. That reminds me of the old line by Jeff Goldblum in the Big Chill, where you know you have to come up with at least one juicy rationalization every yeah. day. That's mine. It's a hundred percent rationalization because I watched it two hundred fifty times, and I'm like, how did he miss him? Oh, he must have been blocked. But it is crazy because that was the play. They ran a play to. That was to, the design of the play. Yeah, they that ran, was the play call. The two receivers kind of um, jutted out toward the front pylon. They left the whole right side of the end zone open for Gronk. And what was crazy is Denver, for some reason, wasn't double teaming Gronk on that play. No, they were not. And if I'm not mistaken, of course you may know this because you've seen it 250 times. I only probably watch it 10 or 11 times. Yeah, I think it was Shiloh Keo who was covering him. At, yeah, on on that play. Yeah. So they had the matchup that they clearly wanted. It was it was kind of a routine play. So that's why only Tom could tell you why he didn't throw it, and he's not going to tell us. Right. I mean, in his defense, if he didn't get blocked, he did get thrown into the turf 23 times in that game, and I'm sure. <laughs> Another I mean, juicy rationalization. Yeah, that's that's yeah. almost as good as the first one that came See, up. There I, you go. <laughs> I think the thing though, that's football though, right? You physically beat the hell out of somebody for four quarters, and then they start missing stuff like Rob Gronkowski wide open running toward the right side of the end zone. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because when I started working with Ron Jaworski, and this goes back to 1990, so he's I've now known him for 26 years, and we spend a ton of time together. One of the first things he told me when we started watching film together back in those days was he said, you know, no quarterback likes to get hit. Yeah. And I think if you start getting hit a lot, I think it has an impact. Especially when you're uh, 38 years old. I wish I was 38 years old. So. <laughs> Greg Cosell, it was a it was a true pleasure. I'd love to talk to you again in the off season. Thanks for doing this. Bill, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, that was fun. I'm going to probably go watch that Brady play again now. I might watch it five more times. Thanks to uh, Sling TV. It's the best way to watch games live. For just 20 bucks a month, you get more than 20 live channels, including TNT, TBS, and True TV, the March Madness channels. No installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts. You only need an internet connection. Start your seven-day free trial at sling.com slash Simmons for just $20 a month. Restrictions apply. Thanks to HBO Now. Get your free trial month right now. Just download the HBO app. You get all the series, all the movies. You get everything. Game of Thrones is coming up, FYI. Uh, thanks to The Ringer. Go to theringer.com to sign up for our new newsletter that launches on Monday. I might even be writing something for it. And follow us on Twitter at, at Ringer. Thanks again for listening. If you have an extra minute, please go to bspnsurvey.com to take a short anonymous survey about today's episode. It's a big help to the show. Again, that's bspnsurvey.com. Come on, the podcast is free. You could at least do that for me. See you tomorrow on BS. We about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. Picture me rolling.